0: Alchemist in the making would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung people as the traditional owners of the land of which this podcast is being curated and produced. We'd also like to pay our respects to all First Nations Elders past and present and extend that respect to all First Nations people who may be listening in on our conversations today and celebrate their continuing connection to land and water. As we are here today to listen and share, we hope that this will inspire everyone who is listening to dedicate a time and space to listen to our First Nations people's stories. For it always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Archimist Podcast Season for Hero Phenomena, which is an extension of the blog Archemist in the Making. I'm your host, Kim Lee Ho, an architecture graduate and writer who is interested in architecture's intersection with anything and everything. So, as per our yearly tradition, I have brought back Dinny Lee again because we're recording another time capsule episode in which we reflect on Dinny's adventures and her studies. So this is our third episode which well third episode in the series which would mean that this is a reflection of a third year in her studies Woo-hoo! and before we continue Denny, i'm gonna get you to just quickly introduce yourself again
1: yeah sure yeah hi i'm Denny lee i am uh now i'm an architecture graduate yay um, Yeah. i'm doing my masters next year but i'm a i'm a bachelor graduate i am um, currently working in architecture and I'm also actually producing commissioned public art projects
0: yeah so firstly as I said congratulations for completing third year and we are currently recording in 2022 so you would have finished your third year it's really weird to say your bachelors because for some reason I feel like I've known you for so long that I could say masters but I would like to preface this episode by beginning with how was 2021 for you in terms of studying because just a quick sidebar from our previous, just pulling some spark notes from our previous episode, you did have hopes for having an in-person class and I just mm-hmm. wanted to know whether that experience has been fulfilled and what has it been like for you per se?
1: Yeah, I think it was fulfilled. Like I had the first best day in person and it was really good, um, the studio itself, I really enjoy the people, um, the sort of growth that I had and in my, I guess, studies, but also like as a as a person. And I think that having to be there, actually like talk through things and present things and like interacting with their classmates and having that sort of sense of a studio cohort was kind of nice. I think we're all really different people, interestingly, but we all kind of bounced off each other pretty well. Well, like you know we, we kind of there was a vibe yeah, yeah. and like yeah. the tutors were great and everything yeah I really enjoyed that studio actually I think it gave me a chance to explore a lot of stuff that I had in the back of my head or had come out of the previous studio and then kind of fell into this one and it was it was very much about like thinking and ideas it was an unconventional studio in a sense called Conspiracy you should <laughs> check it out on Instagram before
0: you continue mm-hmm. on exploring the studio was that Because you had that one year of online, so back in 2020, when your whole year was online, and then therefore you're suddenly put back into an environment where you're communicating with people, I was curious to know whether there was a bit of a shock in transition between that online and then suddenly being thrown back
1: into in person? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I don't think so at all. I think the first semester being online was hard. Yeah. But I think that that, you know, everyone found that weird. Yeah. And and it was definitely like, oh, you have to now work by yourself, essentially. You have to work in your home environment. You have to, you know, all the, you can't just go for a walk and like get ideas. You have to like stick around in your house or, I mean, you could go for a walk, but you know what I mean? Like it wasn't the same way that we interacted with the physical built environment around us to then influence the built environment we were trying to because for me that's a big thing it's through seeing things around you that inspires you but yeah I think that by that point entering third year I already sort of found what worked for me Mm. and I think the studio that I did in that second half also really like I I was able to explore stuff that I became that I was interested in like I sort of found myself a little bit and that Mm -hmm. sort of helped with the next studio and then that I had in person so I didn't really feel like it was that jolting like it was just like every other sort of year and it's not just studio like I just kind of worked through it I think the only thing is that it's made me very even though I had that one semester in person it's made me have to I need to probably improve working with people I think I've gotten too used to working by myself also because every studio I've done it's been like a person like a your individual project Mm. definitely a final project was individual Mm-hmm. So in future, if I do you know collaborative stuff, I've never really done that before. So that that'll be an interesting challenge. The di- I think the difference is that you can actually talk to people about like, hey, oh my gosh, my project is like not good or whatever. And then like everyone, you know, everyone's like, oh, like I didn't do very much. And then like everyone pins up, and then you're like, what is this amazing? I've <laughs> literally done no work. Like you know, there's this whole you can kind of have that uh, culture. Mm. There's a less formality to it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so you can have those opportunities to like have a side conversation with someone about anything. Really, it could be work, work or it could be something else. But it and that helps to actually make you feel. I mean, we're still like super nervous for class. Like I don't mm. know. You you just always feel really nervous for class. But but because you can actually talk with it, you can talk with your tutors as well. It's not it's not like one person talking at a time on Zoom. It's like, mm-hmm. you, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah,
0: you're more inclined. How do I say? It's kind of in this scenario, if you think about it. I'm going to use this really sad analogy of mm. how in high school you talk to everybody because you're kind of put in that space. Yeah. You yeah. talk to everybody, but then when we all graduated from high school, no, you do lose those grand. connections, right? And Zoom and online environment is literally the epitome Microsoft of that. Teams. it sucks that you can't you're just competing for voices and you're competing for space and I find that can be somewhat Mm. a little bit disengaging and then I would also say that even if you've got those mural boards there's only so much you can do with digital stuff because I think digital kind of how do I say it digital items sometimes I do know people take a long time working on these but it doesn't have the same effect as seeing it physically, because it
1: that, printing a really it out good
0: physically point. also pushes that extra effort of it. It demonstrates it, that extra effort.
1: Something that I've learned through high school and also in through architecture school, to a lesser degree, because most of it's been online. Okay. But seeing like there's a there's a difference between seeing things on a screen mm-hmm. or having it in your head. And seeing it in front of you. Mm-hmm. Whether it be colour change. To just just physically having something in front of you. The scale. The interaction with it changes. Like even now I'm talking to you online. Like if we were talking <laughs> in person. There's something that changes. Because we know that the person. Is physically there. So yeah. there's this whole thing that shifts. That I've definitely come to respect. That at first I was like yeah whatever. And then now I'm like oh I see the difference. You need to like see things in person like right now i'm doing this commission but i'm working from home and it's all from home so i said oh i'm doing like producing these postcards that are going to get printed obviously and so i'm like oh could you also send me few, you know some copies of that because i want to see what it looks like physically i'm designing it and creating this artwork from afar but and then this is also the case for people who are working i always found this little really interesting sorry t- interesting. slight tangent but like yeah. artists who produce stuff or did a did an exhibition but it was overseas. And how then that how then they actually communicate all the information across to get it to become this thing? Mm-hmm. So when you go to galleries and like NGV or whatever and they've got some person from overseas, like they don't they're not there the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I was very curious, but how did they then communicate these things across and get it to the finished product? But yeah, so I asked them to send me physical copies because there's something about seeing it in person that shifts so coming back to like work and and sorry like studies and working online and you know producing things digitally I found that there there is definitely a shift in the way you work but also timing but also how how you even present your work if you're presenting on like Miro you just shove stuff together in a certain order, and mm. you can scale things, and you know everyone can zoom in, right? Yeah. As long as the res and the file size is fine. But when you're standing up there, people, like some tutors will like move right up to like the drawing. like nice. a, Yeah, no, people will like move their chair all the way up to like see it, and I will do that sometimes. But like, <laughs> it's starting from like um a, a good half a meter above your head. You, sometimes these like these pinups. And then it's going all the way down to the ground and then you're already standing in front of there, and people don't really want to like come any closer. So there's like this in a way physically you see less mm-hmm. because you're sitting there. If you've ever been to an MIT crit, if you're listening, like you'll understand what I mean. You kind of see this overview and mm-hmm. you rely definitely upon the person presenting to like really walk you through it. And I, I've come to learn that that is such an important skill. Actually, presenting. I think that I've gotten somehow worse in the last semester presenting, but like Mm. you need to really walk people through because you know your work so well. And it's something I'm still trying to figure out. And I think I feel like I retrograded, but that could just be me from last year. I think that could be just you. (laughs) Because, oh my God, like presenting, I don't know, I got really nervous last semester presenting my final. I think there's a problem when you work at home comparatively to being in person where you were literally, I mean, sometimes you might not even talk to yourself about your work. So it's just in your head for a good week or a good few days. And then when you mm-hmm. get to presenting, you just start blabbering random stuff and it doesn't make sense because it's all been in your head and yeah. you haven't had a chance to, to explain it out before. And that's a real problem. So if you're work, if you're studying from home, or even if you're not in the chair, I reckon just present, like get up and talk to the, to the air like just because like there's just you just get caught up in your own brain so much and because at least if you're there physically you have a sense that there are people there and you have a sense of i probably need a speech or i need some points or i need to write down what i'm going to say and the way you present that is generally better
0: yeah and i would say you can at least read the environment i would also add how you said this point about saying you see less being in person in comparison to on screen it's a really interesting point because then it makes you know what you have to say in order to get that message across when you say that they don't see as much in person it forces you to consider your words and i think the other thing is we're not taught to present it's more like oh it's just
1: stand up and talk kids
0: yeah, you observe <laughs> others and you just see which yeah. one works for you, which one doesn't work, and it's yeah. a training ground.
1: Yeah, I, I find it funny because some people said that I'm, I'm good at presenting, and I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> but I'll take the compliment better. I don't believe so. Um, well, I
0: would say it's evolved. Your presenting style has evolved to suit the type of project you're presenting, right? So from going back to first year, I wasn't as – involved in your first year work I would say in terms of discussions about the things that Mm. you've done and things you haven't done but I would say I would like to think that the way you talked about your project as well as talking to your project at the same time would have been very different to second year because the narrative or the concept that you were working around would have shifted in second year and therefore you would have changed the way you would have presented it however in third year you had to adopt a new methodology because you were trying to get a different method across and well message across and therefore when you look back at your other presentations in the past because it's such a shift to what you were doing now you might not see it as well as before because if I think about it like some of the stuff that I've presented has differed in comparison to what I would how would present today because Back then, I would just explain how things work, uh, why I designed this way, whereas gradually it shifted to become this presentation about narrating a story. Mm. And if I talked about the steps I would have taken, used that methodology that we used back in first and second year to apply to my like, finalist project, that wouldn't have worked because it wouldn't have sold the intentions I was trying to produce.
1: No, I agree. I- I, but I think I'd break it even into semesters because, like last semester, the whole studio was very different to the sem- to the studio before that. Yes, like completely different. It was about, you know, high density housing and tightness. Um, how it's called House Y. Um, it also ran as like a as a twin studio with another studio called House X, and we'd have like crossover sessions and stuff. So that was like a whole different way of working. And it was a master studio. So really different. And then the studio before that, Conspiracy, was like very odd, but in a good way. I don't know. I loved that one. It was. Yeah, I think it was really good. It wasn't about, you know, we want you to do a thing on this site and it needs to be doing this. It was like you almost sort of produce a brief like mm-hmm. we, we did a bunch of tests mini projects and then you do like a big project but like we were pursuing an idea or, or a question more for example for me it became my, my final project was more about questioning the way the status quo of the, the building kind of we, we have all these buildings and then we demolish them to now a lot of its development but it's like is this sort of cycle, which is sort of you know, natural, buildings will eventually have to get pulled down or they will just fall apart on ruination, mm-hmm. but is this cycle being manipulated by, like, real estate agents and developers and, like, councils? Like are there, are there, Is there a malicious intent to sort of gain more control over this city? Because if, mm-hmm. you, if you get rid of more of these, like, old houses and you start to put your own things, like Monopoly. So I looked into that and so... I wasn't that happy with my final project. I didn't really like it that much, but it gave me the ability to, to actually explore all these ideas. And it was more of a testing grounds where I was like, the semester after was more like, it was very like parameters. I mean, there was two sides to it. There was like, we started with like the artist side, which is more about the qualities that that you get, I guess, from these spaces or this kind of living. And then I hope I'm explaining this right. Um, and then, like, the other side was the, the scientists. So, like, you know, you mm-hmm. want it to be this square meter, ridge, this bridge um, Yeah, like, there are all these parameters that people have in practice or just when it comes to designing spaces for living. There's, like, the better apartment design standards. Like, there's all these things. Yeah, like, they're two completely yeah. different studios. And so I found, like, in the first year, because we could just explore more ideas and it was less about, like... It physically needed to be this thing. Mm -hmm. I kind of preferred that, Mm -hmm. and then the second one was like, no, it needs to like fulfill these things, which is very good for practice. But it's, I found it a little bit, just kind of frustrating creatively, maybe.
0: Yeah, I I think it comes down to the types of studios you've had in the past and ones that you've selected, to an extent, because you had more creative agency in terms of getting to where you want to for the end result right whereas master's year i feel like it's very similar across all unis in that in your earlier stages you have more freedom but then as you get towards completing your degree it's starting to become a bit more rigid or more formalized in the sense that it's
1: to an extent preparing you for work i would say my concept was more like, they want you to like, even if you say you can do all these things, they want you to explain and show how. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like in, in bachelors, you could probably get away with like saying this thing is like this, but in masters, they want you to unpack that. Yeah. I, I reckon that's how it is. its got to go.
0: One of the things I wanted to ask is that now that you've had a bit of this going on, do you think you feel confident about the things that you do? I'm just going to be pulling a few threads from our previous conversation because you made a few key points that I think are really interesting or I would say are quite integral to be answered. So I would say one of the quotes, well, to quote what you've said that resonate with me was that having that belief in yourself and going back to the whole presentation aspect of presenting in person versus presenting in online. And also looking at how far you've come in terms of developing your work, do you think you've seen the growth over the past three years? And also, do you think you've developed more confidence in
1: yourself? I think that there's a few factors. I think overall, yes. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's it's because I've gained more experience and I know what I can do. Mm-hmm. So when I said, like, in that last semester, I feel like I, ooh, that presentations were not great but I think that's because and and this is happens with any anything that I do and anything I present if I have a confidence in my in like oh I know what I'm talking like I know or I'm passionate about this thing or I know what I want to get out like there's yeah. a drive there then yeah. I will feel confident enough to talk like right now I know what I want to say I know you that sort of thing but if I way out of my depth like i I've, I've you know, it's a completely new environment, I, you know, been given this thing, and I barely know what it's about, and I don't feel certain about it, then it may be a train wreck, but I feel like that's (laughs) everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when you, when you know what you're doing, in a sense, or even if you don't know what you're doing, but you feel like you can get a hold, a grapple of it, then I think I tend to be more confident, and I think that works, but that being said. So I think in that respect, yes, I have grown more confident and more certain in my work and in my presentation as a person. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's also met with... A bit. Like, like the uns- the things that I was uncertain about maybe became more certain to me now. But I think oh, yes. there's new things that are more <laughs> uncertain that <laughs> sort of replace that. But they're different, like... Same, same
0: but different, right? I think the other thing I would say it's like, in a way, third year of architecture. Architecture is bloody hard, okay. If you've seen, um, this is um. Hopefully, I remember to post. This screenshot I found on my phone ages ago but it was from this Facebook page called Monash Love Letters and somebody wrote it's like um please check in on your architecture friends because like the things that they go through a lot are pretty hard and whoever wrote that thank you and to all the other people who are going through a lot right now and I would say almost everybody's going through a lot yeah um I hope you're doing okay and checking in okay but
1: whatever it is that you're going through
0: yeah I hope we hope that you're doing okay and I would also I just think like this conversation as much as we were looking forward to recording this but third year is kind of where we plateaued a little bit in terms of we are enthusiastic about what we do but at the same time you kind of feel I don't know personally I felt really exhausted because again I did complete my third year in a very burnt out mentality (laughs) that type of mentality and I don't know if that happened with you just because of how there's been quite a tumultuous disruption of going in person and then going online well for me at work I had that situation of mm. work from home again work in the office and then you and then here's me looking forward to starting 2022 being back in the office they're like if you can work from home work from home yeah. like yeah. I'll take the sleep in but at the same time, oh, I really wanted to see
1: everybody. <laughs> Pros and cons. I mean, um, I don't, I think I I didn't, I thought I would find third year a little bit more like, oh, another year sort of. But yeah, I, yeah. I didn't really find it. But maybe that's because we started off in person. So I was like, new year, new me. Um, But yeah. like I think <laughs> second year was a little bit more of a, yeah I'd say maybe mm. second year was a bit more of a drag um, maybe the lo- mm-hmm. the last semester of, year, of third year because I was like I'm almost done come on let's just finish this thing up you know Um, yeah. I-, I think it's good the way MIT is structured like you have a master studio in your last semester of bachelors because it actually gives you a bit of a taste test and you don't feel so nervous about like oh, what's happening mm. in masters and stuff and also you get a bit of a break from the bachelors um, mm-hmm. Kind of usual stuff, um, and you mix up with different people as well. So yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. So it didn't, I don't know, it didn't really feel like a drag to me. And and in, like in that first semester, I mean, I talk about studio a lot because that's really what I remember. I did some electives mm. and I did what tech and was it tech three? I can't even remember. I just. I just remember being really happy I finished tech, but um uh, <laughs> yeah. never again. Because you said
0: that you didn't do as much group work, but were you able to still at least have a bit of that group work experience that led you explore a bit of that or Um
1: I don't know. There have been instances of like working cohesively mm-hmm. whether it's throughout your studio. I mean exhibition is a great example, but like yeah. um I've done some, like, smaller projects within a studio that were, like, group work and stuff. But a lot of it is still there's opportunity for you to explore your own ideas or (coughs) your own thing. I think Uh that I need – I don't want to jinx myself, but I feel like I should do more group studio stuff. Because, I. okay, this is a self-roast, but, like, I get really intense when it comes to working in a group. And I need to chill And I'm sure people who work with me are like, yeah, she needs to chill. Like, but I get really intense and I get really, not pedantic, but like, do you know what I mean?
0: Well, I would say that you're your own harshest critic to this day. And I will still agree with this because I think you are a walking example of that. Who am I kidding? Most of the people I know are walking examples of being their harshest critics. Anyway, (laughs) so... I think it comes back down to if we think about that conversation we had about imposter syndrome, right, it's, like, the expectations you set for yourself in comparison yeah. to the expectations others have set for themselves.
1: And that's why I feel really bad because then I'm, like, I know that I have really high expectations and then I feel like, am I, you know, drilling them into people and then they don't obviously have that same expectation? Like, I realized that with working in tech, like, for some of the partners I've had, um, and I've I've had to stop myself because I've been like, oh, like they they don't want to – or they, they don't – this sounds really bad. But like they don't want to – like what they're wanting to get out of this is not the same as what I'm trying to get out of this. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah. So then I'm, I'm like, bro, why aren't you doing this stuff? And it's like because <laughs> they don't want to or they don't want it to do it to, to the level that you want to. And then I'm like – Oh, and then I'm like, well, okay, I'm gonna have to. What am I gonna do with that? Like,
0: yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's a very similar situation I've had when I first started out being the assistant tutor. Because the thing mm-hmm. was, I was imposing my the standards I had for myself in first year onto the students, expecting that they would have a similar level of expectation and standard, but it doesn't happen. Because every person has their different levels. in, And that was, I think, yeah. one of the biggest lessons I've learned throughout the years is that everybody's expectations are very different unless you ask for it. Because even at work, I still am not sure about what is the expectation people have of me sometimes when it comes to certain levels of work. Like, yes, I am now in my second year of the job which means I have more responsibilities to an extent in terms of what I know, what I should be aware of. Although there are some things that I am, I have to be transparent. Well, no, I wouldn't say sometimes, but I still need to make sure I am transparent about what I know and what I don't know, as well as what other expectations Mm. I think people have of me. And sometimes that can be a bit of a problem or a bit of a stressful situation as well that, I am still working 100% on to agree now.
1: with you. Yeah. Uh, I found that working as well. I think I'm getting a bit better at it. But, like, okay. there's this, I don't know, like, you don't want to disappoint, but then you also like, I have no idea what to do, or, like, I- I've never done this before. And then, like, you know, you go back to, like, whoever's supervising or whatever, and they're like, what? Mm. this is also where I'm saying about tech and stuff, but, like, an architecture yeah. school is very different to practice. Like, yeah. they're, like, kind of like – what do you mean you don't know how to do this? Like, Why does it look like that? And you're like, you know, you don't want to be like, I don't know, because that also looks kind of bad. But then you don't want to be like, I totally know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So this is sort of awkward interplay thing that you have to like navigate. You don't want to shoot yourself in the foot, but you don't want to like undersell it. So I'm sort of working around that now. I realized that I have this thing where I don't wanna I guess it's coming out of disappointment. I think that it maybe it's a pride thing as well. Like you, you don't wanna mm. show that you don't know. So then you're like everything's fine, but then inside you're like dying. Okay. Because you're like, I don't know like whether whether you don't know what's happening or you don't you're too afraid to ask or whatever, but now I'm like just ask. That that sort of embarrassment is kind of dying, which is good. I think it's very human
0: too not want to look like you don't know anything you know it's Mm. like you don't want to let others down as well as you don't want to let your own self down and yes maybe pride to to a certain extent does play into it Mm.
1: yeah that's a good point
0: (laughs) you don't have to be so hard on yourself but then I think the problem is both of us are very tend to be like that
1: yeah I think it's also a personality thing um where (laughs) I feel like that's a phrase we've used before, but I maybe mean, it's an introvert thing where like you don't want to say like like I know other introverts who like don't even wanna, you know, uh, order a meal at the restaurant by themselves because they're like too embarrassed, or, like they're too
0: self-conscious. You
1: know, yeah, like they're too afraid to. Yeah. And I've had to become the extrovert at you know, when a bunch of introverts gather together and then the more extroverted ones have to step up.
0: Really? Have you
1: ever had that experience?
0: well more like okay i'm the i've people don't think i'm an introvert but i am but unfortunately i'm the You're extroverted introvert. version of the introvert um i just go into a restaurant i see what i want and i'll just get it and then i'm done like i just don't want to waste anybody's time but, but that's what i mean daily. but like
1: but but if you gather with like because lots of my friends are introverts and so we all like hang out it's like that, that i because i'm slightly more extroverted <laughs> yeah like um, if if I'm in a crowd of extroverts I will be even more introverted. But if I'm in a crowd of introverts, I'll be a bit more extroverted. So then I'm like the one who has to step up to <laughs> not so much anymore, but like yeah, the past. So I don't know, maybe it's a it's an introvert thing. Um, maybe. but anyway, it's getting better. <laughs> um
0: it's a yeah time. all right. I think I'll ask you the big question. I don't know if I'm just throwing you into the defense suddenly so now that you've finished your bachelor's mm-hmm. what are you hoping to do like what are your new aspirations going forward in your architecture journey yes the big big later question
1: <laughs> i think that now i'm i'm at a bit of a crossroads but in a good way like i don't like there's a lot of uncertainty in this last few years and i feel like there's even more uncertainty recently um, mm-hmm. Personally, I've just had a lot of stuff. But there's so many options in a way that's good. Coming back to that thing about confidence and certainty, I feel more confident in myself. Mm-hmm. I think if this happened to me in first year or second year, I would be very like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Da, da, da. What, what's happening with my life? You know, who am I? Like all these kind of big things and the, the self-doubt. Um, but I think now I definitely, you know, I'm going to be doing my master's this year. And I'm going to be working part-time as well. And previously I was like, oh, I never wanted to do that because I felt like I didn't want to burn out, you know, doing full-time study and part-time work. And I don't know, maybe if if full-time study is too much, I can always do part-time study. And I'm totally fine with that. But also, I'm kind of coming into my own pace of things, I think. And... I've got to say the electives I took in this last year have been really good. Like I did a Photography 101 elective and then I did a Public Art Projects elective, which is where this commission's coming out of. Impressive. Um, well, like the final project was like yeah, do a proposal for this thing, thing and then a few of us would like get in. Um, But I think that it's really helped to just, you know, give me all these extra skills to sort of do what I want or make me feel like I can go ahead and do these things mm. um so it sort of opened up this slightly more artistic practice that I've always kind of wanted to pursue and now I'm actually starting to pursue it a bit more um mm-hmm. and I think that on an architectural level I think that that we did it oh that's what I did so <laughs> I totally forgot what I was what kind of subjects I was doing last year but um <laughs> in the final semester of your bachelor's in our routine um you do what they call portfolio and communications so Mm -hmm. it's sort of it's not like portfolio like cv kind of portfolio it's like thinking about your studios and what sort of things you've been pursuing and ideas that kind of make up your own practice Mm. and I think that was really helpful because it gave me a chance to actually reflect on all the things I've done and actually think what am I interested in here in architecture because I didn't We've talked about this before. Like, I didn't come into it being like I'm going to build a 54 high high <laughs> building. Like I'm not. I didn't come into it being like I want to be an architect in the most conventional sense. I came into it being like architecture seems cool. I've got interest in installation works and, and stuff with the built environment. Like this is just kind of a, a skill that I want to take on. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm kind of returning back to that and looking at the ideas that I have been pursuing from these studios and what kind of came out of it was like, I'm really interested in this sort of interactions. I think we talked about this before, like the sort of interactions between people and parties and relationships between these, these different groups. Mm-hmm. I wrote this thing for my portfolio con subject. Cause we have to make like a, a portfolio. And so I did it as a website. And so I had yeah. these sort of, Part, like three parts to to the website and so the first part was introduced by this sort of strange little bit of writing I did that described that likened the um mm. the sort of building an architectural industry to a medieval monarchy like mm-hmm. a hierarchy sorry um like a feudal hierarchy I think the opening line was like if the client is the god and like the architect has been is like the monarchy like the king or whatever who's been like chosen by god as many monarchies often are or gods then like you know what do we do with all these abilities if like you know your consultants are like your your knights and then they have their own consultants which are like the squires and then you have like the, the building side is your little kingdom how does that also sort of play out if you've been given all this responsibility and so I got really interested in like not morals, but, like, how do we conduct ourselves out in the practice mm-hmm. as a whole? And I'm reflecting on it now because I'm working, like, and my mind sort of become this work mind. Like, there, there is a very strong structure and way of thinking in the practice, I think. Mm-hmm. At least as an outsider coming into it, that I guess we get – I'm yet to really see people challenge. Yeah, I think people do do it, but it ends up being on an academic level. Yeah, and that's why I think the academic side and the practice side is so different. Um, but mm. yeah, I got really interested in that, and in, I found in my own artistic practice that I'm trying to develop. Like, I'm, I'm really interested in relationships between people because it's like architecture is an outcome to me of the relationships that we that its producers have really mm-hmm. and I think that's you know, probably where I'm going to start going with masters like mm. focusing less on I mean not not to say the architecture isn't important but like you see the architecture as as you know the choices of like the joinery and the the color of this and like the the way that the the structure member has to go through here that is all as a result not just of physically it needs to be this but actually the the choices and relationships that it's that the structural yeah. engineers and the architects have had, the multitude of emails, the like—that's mm. really where the project also lies in. Mm. It's all of that. It's not just the final product. And so I'm quite curious about that, and I think that's what I've been subconsciously thinking about in, in my studios and in all the stuff that I do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I would also add, like, it makes you see things in a more holistic scale because you have a bit of a yeah. balance between academia yeah. and perhaps the professional sense of things.
1: Yeah, understanding mm-hmm. that for myself has made me more confident about going into the future. Um, and, like, I, I sort of – I'm not – not to say that I'm putting the weight on the back foot now, but, like, I don't feel like I've only got architecture and, you know, mm. the degree, the course, and that's all that's holding me up. I feel like I've got mm. a whole – I've got an independence in the way that I think and I work and what I want to do, and I think that's given me a lot of flexibility and mm. um, a bit of relief mentally mm. just yeah. to know that I have these things there.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a powerful way to say to assert yourself, like saying that you've got the confidence in yourself. And I think that other thing that has helped you, as you have stated early on, is the fact that you're branching out to different areas. So it's not just confining you into architecture. Because
1: yeah, definitely.
0: I think when you when we first started in uni, we were fascinated by people who literally live breathe and I would say eat yeah I can say that architecture right (laughs) like all they do is watch those architecture documentaries read the architecture magazines the uh the philosophies of architecture and that was really never I mean yes those people produce really amazing like because they've got all these theories to back Mm -hmm. them up and be challenged but at the same time I think there's also that benefit of being able to explore yourself outside of architecture because ultimately architecture is working with people who are not in our industry at the first place and if we were to make architecture even more approachable the first thing we need to do is understand how people who don't speak our industry language to be on the same playing field as well which we
1: don't get that often. I mean it's funny cuz like we've developed such a, a highly highly I don't know highly developed language within architecture. But then mm-hmm. you immediately have to try and translate that to everyone else. Like yeah. the client, the the consultants, the suppliers, the built like you know the contractors, the council, you know, like all of these people don't speak the, the same language that you, you do. And yet we've kind of on an, insular level, on an insular level developed a certain language. Like even the drawings, the drawings are very architectural language. Then when you produce, you know, like right, like I'm learning about like, you know, you produce drawings initially for uh, your, you know, like concept design, which I guess is is something that is more about communicating with your client. Uh-huh. And then you produce drawings that kind of develop that, but it's really for you. And then later, you know, you get to tender, but those drawings are really just for like council and it's to get Mm. them to like, I mean, that's part of what a drawing is, it's communicating, but it's like, we have to translate this for you. And then for your contractor, you have to translate these drawings, the building to your contractor. Mm. But it's funny how maybe it's not possible or maybe that's how it is, but like we Mm. have all these different types of drawings or types of communicating to these different Mm. people but it's like, you know what I mean? You have to copy and then translate. And it's, it just seems a little strange. Like, is there a way to sort of make one thing that everyone can understand? But maybe that's not possible. Maybe we're just wishful thinking, but... Um.
0: Maybe, or that's a challenge for you to figure out when you go on to your master's as well, right? Because yeah. it's you're still in that position. Well, everybody is, but I think because you've also got the academia side still in your belt, as you go on for the next two or three years depending on what you decide to do mm-hmm. you at least have an additional field in which you can experiment in and challenge in whereas for us in the professional sense it's a slightly bit more of a challenge I mean unless you go back to teaching it's a different scenario a different but with, kind of within
1: stage. the practice itself like I think it's I think it, there's just it's too um not rigid but it's it's very cemented in what it is
0: yeah a little bit and it will take a while for it to work because if you think about it there's that whole technically we're talking this is another topic for another podcast yeah, we, we um keep deviating. yeah that's okay uh but i think like we will probably wrap this point here up it's just probably if you think about there's new modes of communication like vr uh, renders. Yeah, and such, I was right? thinking about that, and that's just something for us to figure out in the long run, and that is completely okay.
1: I was gonna say one more thing. It's, it's different, but um, mm-hmm. sort of what you're saying before. Um, I gotta say, like, doing all these studios and doing all these other subjects and these electives and and working on my own sort of practice, it's made me see how, especially when you meet tutors and you get to know tutors, like see how. Mm-hmm. they don't just work within an architectural lens. Mm-hmm. Some people will say like, oh, well, if you're not, work, you know, if you're not only looking at architectural stuff, then what, you know, don't bother doing architectural whatever. But I actually think that it's it's freeing or it's it helps to bring back things into the field where, you know, like we get recommended precedents that are art, you know, or installation or things from completely different fields but we actually can bring them into an architectural lens and then bring them into the field. And I really mm. respect people who I've seen do that, like with mm. conspiracy, like their tutors, the way that they're thinking as well. I mean, they come from an architecture background, but like the way they're thinking mm. is not in a conventional architectural sense. And I really respect that because it's it's shown me that I don't have to just work on a very – conventional architectural sense of things and i don't have to have this is my architecture practice and this is my artistic practice which is why i'm hesitant to say like mm. like i said i am an emerging artist but i i guess these two things sort of meld together at some point and the ideas cross over and as, as i was saying like i'm really interested in, interested in relationships that's across what i do um mm-hmm. so i started to understand a bit better when people you know introduce themselves and they say or people get introduced and they say that they're, they're an artist, they're a musician, and they're all these things, but actually if you understand their practice, then you'll understand that these things are actually just conventional yeah. labels, but they don't actually relate to what the person does cuz what the person does is across all of those things. So yeah. I started to see that more and I I'm, I'm kind of moving into that mm-hmm. way of thinking and that way of working, mm. which I think has sort of freed me creatively. Yeah, like when I look at you I don't think of you as like IS architect you know I think of you as like all of these things but that's under the umbrella of archivist making like mm-hmm. if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah I think it's about the whole process as well which is probably the thing that has that we always talk about is the
1: mm-hmm. process
0: the methodologies the end result is the cherry on top but the real substance yeah like it's just why you did these it's the thoughts that makes it really really important as well
1: yeah Hmm. so i think kind of going into the future like i've i've started to approach myself in that approach the way i work in that mentality Mm -hmm. and not get too hung up on like this needs to be architecture (laughs) um yeah if you didn't see that it was yeah the air quotes um yeah and i think that's free me because as i said i never came into it trying to be an architect in a conventional sense i came into it Mm. being like be cool to learn some stuff Mm -hmm. to like put you know and you know in my sort of palette of things i can do Mm. um yeah so i've sort of started to lean into that and i really respect people who have sort of given me that as an example Mm. yeah well, talk for ages. <laughs> no no this is what we
0: always do right we always talk a long time which I really enjoyed anyhow I think I think um, to just conclude this bachelor's time capsule we'll stick with what we generally do anything you'd like to say to what you said Dini two or three years ago and Dini
1: in the next couple of years
0: or masters when we start another one
1: <laughs> i think that i'm very much at the midpoint so it's quite quite a good question now um lovely i think in the past i think it was valid to be a, sort of afraid or uncertain of myself or of my abilities or of my thought, like my ideas mm-hmm. but like know that you got to kind of come into your own a bit and you're going yep. to be a little bit more certain about that and confident in yourself and i think sort of similar for the future like just keep coming into bloom, almost like with who who you are, who your practice, you know, what your practice is about, what your ideas are about. Don't let the sort of convention shake you as well, because I think I get a bit thrown by it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what this is what people generally do, or this is what people expect, or this is what the sort of masters culture is about, or mm-hmm. this what people are doing, and so kind of don't think too much about that i got to say, in a strange way, working online has sort of... Studying online has sort of made me a little bit more um, independent, like, because you don't have other people doing stuff next door to you, so you're not like, oh, man, maybe I should do that. Um, That's a side note. But, yeah, like, Mm -hmm. kind of don't be afraid to come into your own and put a bit of an independent flavour on things, Mm. if that makes sense. No, I think that
0: was... (laughs) it's a very poetic way to conclude this bachelor's capsule part Denise so firstly thank you for willing to be on this journey with me it was like a three year project in the making and yeah I mean I'm very very excited to see what you're going through and I would say that I mean some like one of my colleagues who listens to our conversation quite a fair bit but they really admire your world point and I can't help but wow (laughs) about your viewpoint because I would say you are very structured in the way you think I hope I'm not sounding condescending or patronizing but I really admire the way you structure your thoughts and how you see things from very different viewpoints which I've always appreciated as well and so I think it's it's really nice to see how that has shifted and shaped the way you've grown. I would say mm-hmm. for each semester as well as each year. So i'll I'll always be on the stand and just waving my ah. banner support. So, ah. thank you. So <laughs> ah. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, as always, do you have any media handles you'd like to share with people? I don't know if you still if your studio has a uh, Instagram. I'll put it in a website though. The
1: Conspiracy Studio does have an Insta. It's yeah. um, at, con- at conspiracy underscore studio, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one I did semester two of second year also has one, which is at, I think it's changed to at studio hermeneutics. It used to be at Reliquiae. Yeah, or, it has changed. Yeah, it probably has because they changed the studio name. You should see what they do in the studio. having have a new next one. That's pretty cool. If you go into like the RMIT exhibition stuff, generally you can find it mm. under the various years if you really want to see what I've done. Otherwise, you could try and follow me, but I'm on p- private, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, there's no point in... I don't know if there's a point in... You can, put, you can tag me, but like if you try to follow me and see what I... I just put random stuff on there anyway, so...
0: Good luck!
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think in the next... Probably before... In the next month before uni starts, I'm going to try and put up a website. Mm. Um, Yeah, so you can come by me and see what I do.
0: And then as for us, please follow us on Instagram, which is archivist in the making all in one word. Otherwise, please subscribe if you haven't already. Please give us a rating on Apple and Spotify if you haven't already. Spotify did recently release all these star ratings, which is really overwhelming. But if you could, that would be lovely. So then we can reach into other years more and hopefully for any hopeful architecture students in the making that they would come across us as well so they can Mm -hmm. have a bit of a taste of our viewpoints, which we hope we won't intimidate (laughs) you for.
1: But I think it's good. I've always said that (laughs) this is really good for students.
0: Agreed. In the meantime, everybody, please stay safe, take care, and we'll see you for another episode. Bye. Bye.